this morning, we're going to be talking about a topic that can kind of feel like a bit of a storm um, sometimes in our own hearts and our lives. We're going to be talking about love and hate. And, and I think sometimes when we end up in spots where we're not kind of feeling loving towards our brothers and sisters in the Lord and our family and those around us, it can feel like a bit of a storm. Sometimes we conceptualize hate and anger as something that's just really bad and we're making the wrong choice. And I, I know that there is an element of choice in hate, but there's also an element of this kind of like uneasy state of restlessness, um, kind of feel like, like we're in a bit of a storm and we can't control what's going on. And, you know, I have the privilege of training to be a social worker and working with a lot of young people that struggle to control their emotions. And so as I'm talking about this topic this morning, I just want to remind us that, you know, sometimes we look at people who struggle and sometimes we even look at ourselves when we struggle in this space with wanting to love people, but not kind of like feeling like we can and really going like, God, how do I love my brother and sister? Um, sometimes we kind of blame ourselves and sometimes we kind of blame others and go, you just need to be doing better or I just need to be doing better, Sam. You know, we need to give ourselves grace to wrestle with this because we are being changed from glory to glory through Christ. And that means that there's still old stuff that God is chiseling off us. So we can't let guilt and shame stop us from wrestling to love well and to overcome hate. Um, and the beautiful thing is that God gives us power by the Holy Spirit to win this battle. So I just want to quickly pray again. I know Kel just prayed, but um, I always love praying before I speak because I just, I'm so aware that God is speaking um, and I want to tap into what he's saying right now. Lord, I just want to thank you that you um, give us access to power, to love, to a spirit of a sound mind through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And this morning as we talk about that, I just pray that you would um, bring to mind the things that you want us to know about our individual circumstances, how to love better, how to overcome hate and feelings of... Um, yeah, just, just ill feelings towards each other, God, throughout our lives. So we thank you for your presence with us wherever we are. And um, I thank you for your voice that speaks to our hearts in Jesus' name. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 to 14 is where I'm going to be preaching from this morning. And I just want to contextualize it, go back and think about what Nath um, kind of presented to us last week. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, I'm just going to give a bit of a spiel about what we came off hearing Nath share last week, and then we'll, we'll dive into the Word. So you've got to couple of seconds to grab your Bible um, and flick open to, to 1 John chapter 2 verse 7. Um, so Nath shared with us the last week the two buzzwords that I got out of his message were union and fellowship um, and he, he explained the concept that union is is available to us in God and in Jesus. Nothing can come between us and God. That union is done on the cross uh, and so we don't need to doubt that but when it comes to fellowship we actually have a choice whether to engage and commune with God and engage and commune with other people. Um, even though we have union with God and Jesus has paid for um, our sin on the cross, every day we still have a choice as to whether we're going to walk in fellowship um, with other people and with God. And so this morning, as we look at love and hate, we're actually looking at, um, I believe, something that's a really key factor in whether we engage well, whether we fellowship well with each other and whether we fellowship well with God. Um, so it's, it's obviously a letter, 1 John. It flows, and we can see here that, um, that John's going from a, a big point about fellowship and, and I guess, zeroing in on um, a particular aspect 
um, that might, I guess, affect our fellowship with each other. Let's read from 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version, um, just for those of you that are following along. So John writes, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him, him being Christ, and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So those two verses, John actually doesn't explicitly talk about love or hate. He's preempting what he's going to mention in the coming verses. I just want to quickly define what love and hate is, though, before we go into that, Um, because these are two very broad terms Um, that we throw around quite a lot. So the Greek for love is agapio, and a lot of us will know that word. It gets used in a lot of sermons about love. Um, It's the unconditional type of love that we choose to exercise, choose to walk in. You know, you might not not necessarily be feeling like encouraging someone after you've had a long, tired, uh, a long, hard day. You might get home from work and you might walk in or get home from school. You're feeling a bit tired, but you go, and now's a really great opportunity to, encourage my mum because she's just baked me a batch of awesome cookies or something like that. If I encourage mum and go, hey, mum, I just want to say you're awesome. Thank you so much for for baking those cookies. That's an act of like agape love because it's a choice to go out and kind of um, build up my mum and show her value. So that's the kind of love we're talking about is that intentional kind of like choice love. Um, That's still a great, great thing and we get great feelings from it and that sort of thing. But it's not the other types of love in the Greek, the philio or the eros love, which is kind of like friendship love and romantic love. And hate, the word, the Greek word for hate is a word called miseo. I don't know if, whether I'm pronouncing that right, but that's my best guess. And this, this word is quite broad, actually. And it's associated with the concept, not just of negative thoughts and actions towards other people, but loving less and kind of making a preference, deciding not to honour deciding not to love someone. So hate can come across in our context, cultural context as like a really bad act as like slapping someone across the face or like swearing at someone. But the concept of hate here is actually a bit broader. And it's, I think it's a heart motive thing. It's a decision that we make, like love, not to love and to, to not take that opportunity to where God's perhaps clearly prompting us to um, esteem others or to value others. So they're the, they're the two terms that we're dealing with this morning. Now, in verses 7 to 8, John says that he's not giving the people a new command. And this is really key. And it's, I guess it's really relevant for us. You know, love is not a new command. We hear so many sermons on love. I myself have preached several sermons on love. Um, and you can go back and listen to them on the Catalyst website this week if you want to hear more of my voice. It's not a new command. John's saying this to his writers, I think, because he wants them to go back and look at Jesus and his example and all the stuff, the commands that they've got from Jesus. And also, you know, God's law of love is written through the Old Testament. So there's so much about love already in Scripture, and John doesn't have to explain it. And so I'm not going to spend heaps of time unpacking that um, this morning. I want to leave us time in our Activate groups to kind of just go back and look at some of the pertinent commands to love that might be relevant and, and kind of really important to us personally. But that's what he's, what he's saying there. He's directing his readers back to looking at everything that's already been written. Let's go on to read verses 9, 10 and 11. 
John writes, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I find it really hard to walk around in the dark. As you guys have probably experienced getting up at the middle of the night. Maybe you've woken up needing a drink of water or needing to go to the toilet or just looking for a midnight snack from the fridge. And you'll know that if you don't turn the light on, it's quite a dangerous and risky task trying to navigate your way, you know, through your room, through the hallway, past the mum's expensive vase on the the sideboard in the hallway to the kitchen, opening the fridge, getting that like chalky milk or whatever you're going for. It's quite a dangerous, risky task if you don't turn the light on. If you do turn the light on, it's not so risky because you can see where you're going. And I think this is a really, really um, relevant analogy that John uses here in this passage as he's writing to the New Testament Christians that we can actually understand today. We get the concepts, you know, if you turn a light on, it's easy and it's, you know, it's clear, you're not confused. If you, if you leave the light off and try and walk around in the darkness, it's confusing, it's stressful. You might hurt people, you might hurt things. Um, it makes so much sense to just turn the light on. Um, and I think this is a really good analogy for thinking about love and hate. You know, you guys will all also have experienced probably being in that angry state and feeling quite confused and a bit stressed. And sure, you're having negative thoughts and emotions about other people, but often there's an internal wrestle. Like, I know this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Like, I want to be, I want to be seeing things clearly right now. I want to be loving my brothers and sisters. Um, and I think the analogy that John uses here really draws out that meaning in the passage. It's also kind of cool because I think this analogy of light and darkness, if you apply it to the example I just shared about, you know, getting up in the middle of the night, sometimes turning the light on is a bit of an effort. You know, sometimes you just want to, you know, you want to leave your eyes kind of like just adjusted to the, uh, the dim um, room. Turning the light on is kind of painful for your eyes because your eyes have got to adjust. And sometimes it means that other people that might be walking around, I don't know why other people would be walking around the house at midnight, but let's just use the example. If you're in a, your appearance is really messy, you know, it's a bit vulnerable because people are going to see you and you you know, just got out of bed state and that sort of thing. So that this idea of kind of turning the light on and walking in the light is not necessarily just, a, oh, you know, I'll turn the light on, you know, I'm going to love. Just like kind of trying to move from that place of, you know, feeling negative emotions and, and kind of the attitude of hate for others moving to a place of loving others is actually quite hard. And we've got to work hard to make choices um, to control our emotions, to control our thoughts and to direct our actions in the way that Christ gives us an example of in the, in the word. So I really love that analogy. And I think that's a really good one as well for you guys that might've, you know, heard these concepts 15 million times over. It's actually a really good teaching tool as well to younger believers that might be kind of just wrestling with these concepts as well. So I just wanted to elaborate on that. I guess um, I just wanted to elaborate on the, the whole thing of hate um, by sharing a personal example as well. You know, as I said before, hate, often we think of it as throwing something at someone or, you know, just explicitly demeaning another person, like telling your mate that they're an idiot or something like that. Um, but it can creep into our lives in more subtle ways that we kind of justify and go, oh, that's all right. You know, I was justified to, to tell that person that they were wrong or I was justified to kind of like, you know, use sarcasm to put that person down and everybody laughs. 
but I think we've got to be really careful um, and examine our heart motives when we're doing things that um, are designed not to build up. Um, even if they're not explicitly trying to tear people down, sometimes their heart motive can actually be out of a place of pride or um, even guilt or shame sometimes. So I think it's important for us to look at our heart motive. And I remember experiencing this for myself at one time in particular, a couple of years ago when I was driving out to Pakenham, I was tutoring some of my students and it was, it was peak hour. Um, tutoring after school means that, you know, on the M1 heading out bound, there's heaps of traffic. Um, and I was, we were living at Hallam at the time and I was turning onto the freeway and um, I could tell that this guy, uh, a couple of cars back from me was kind of like quite impatient obviously just wanting to, to cut the line and I could see him kind of weaving in and out and just taking every opportunity to cut in and, and make it really difficult for other drivers um, to get ahead. And by the time I got to the front of the, um, the on-ramp lights, the ones that, you know, flash green every four seconds or whatever and two cars can go, by the time I got to the front, this guy was actually behind me. So the green light went and the car that was beside me and me took off and, and he took off behind me as well, obviously breaking that law. And by this stage, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, oh, what, what an idiot. Like, why would you be driving so dangerously and just making it hard for other people on the road? And so I thought to myself, I thought, oh, I've got to teach this guy a lesson. So rather than just merging in as normal, I kind of like hugged the solid line for as long as I could so that this guy just couldn't merge in. Now, in the moment, I was, I was laughing to myself because I was like, ha, 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 this guy's getting more frustrated and that sort of thing. But I realised after, and I won't, I'll won't, i save you the, the gory details of what happened. There may have been some expletives through the window from his side and some um, obscene hand gestures and that sort of thing that weren't very nice. I realised afterwards that I made a grave mistake because I said to myself in that moment, this guy's done something wrong. I can persecute him and teach him a lesson and that's going to fix the situation but it didn't fix it at all. He got more angry. And I would hate to think how the people that he was spending time with that afternoon got on. I, I, I just, I was actually devastated when I thought about it this week going, if this guy was like going home to a wife and kids and he was in this rage state because this, you know, young pea player had blocked him, the situation's 10 times worse. And that could have led to some really, I guess, unhealthy behaviour, even worse than what it would have been if I hadn't have kind of like acted justifiably um, and tried to teach him a lesson. So I let that kind of like negative emotion in that moment determine my actions in a, a way that kind of like probably a lot of people would say, Sam, you were justified in doing that to try and teach him a lesson. But I, I don't believe that was right of me because it didn't lead to building him up. It led to him getting into a worse state than he already was. And so I actually let the hate in my heart feed his hate. And we just both got more annoyed at each other. And I see that so often, even in the church, even in between believers that love, profess to love Jesus. Because I see it in myself. I see it in myself responding out of hate and trying to justify myself all the time. Um, not all the time, but sometimes. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, as we're looking through this passage this morning, just take a moment to, to be open to what God might want to reveal to yourself about your actions or thoughts or behavior. Is there any areas that you're trying to justify behavior that's just, that's actually not loving, that's actually more hating? Um, I'll leave that one with, one with you guys to, to think about and discuss. Let's move on to verses 12, 13, and 14. And I love the way that John moves from a place of discussing a really tough concept about hate, something that we just, you know, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to admit our failures. It's hard to wrestle with the fact that we're not perfect. But in verses 12 to 14, he just goes through and lists some of the values and 
characteristics that are ours, freely available to us because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So we'll go to verses 12 to 14 now. So John writes, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, obviously, there's reasons that John specifically addresses different age demographics there um, and also gender is, is kind of woven into that passage. But the core of the passage is that all these things, regardless of your age and gender, are available to you because Jesus has died on the cross. Victory, peace, forgiveness, strength through the Holy Spirit. And I love that this is the passage that follows John's kind of analogy about, you know, it's hard to walk in light. We can get caught up in, in walking in the darkness, but God wants us to walk into the light. Here, he just gives us a big reminder of the awesome things that are available to us in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. I just want to finish by, by sharing an example of, you know, someone walking in the light and doing a really hard thing when he was wrestling with kind of these negative emotions um, about hating a brother in order to overcome and in order to walk into in the light, in order to flick that light on and kind of deal with the initial kind of disorientation and stinging of the eyes in order that he could see clearly in a situation. Last week, an old high school friend sent me a message um, over Facebook and quite a lengthy one um, and just apologised to me for, I guess, feelings that he'd been wrestling with toward me for quite a long time. Um, of jealousy and look this guy and and I are are great friends and I would have had no idea that he was wrestling with these these things but he was he I guess was we would say gutsy enough to admit that to me even though he didn't need to necessarily in order to kind of help himself to work through these feelings and so he, he sent me a long message and just explained what he'd been wrestling with and he declared over himself basically the victory and said, look, I don't want to walk in this way anymore, Sam. And, you know, I just want to let you know that this is something I'm doing basically to, to help myself overcome these feelings. And I just felt so excited that, that he had taken a really courageous step. Like we haven't spoken in a long time, uh, but he took a really intentional, specific step to kind of shove those feelings of hate out of the picture and to, to claim the victory that God had given him in Jesus. And um, he went on to just encourage me as well in kind of like that that converse act of like wanting to love intentionally. Um, he encouraged me in a bunch of things that he just said have really encouraged um, him about my life in the past. And I just thought it was such a perfect example of what we need to do when we're wrestling with, you know, these negative emotions toward each other, particularly in the family of Jesus, because we need to be examples of how to work through the tough stuff to the world, because there is a world that is so so confused and so caught up in hate and um, not working through the issues and not claiming the peace that God gives them because Jesus has made an opportunity for us to have union with God. And so we need to set the example of doing hard things and stepping out boldly and courageously to work through our our feelings of hate for our our brothers and sisters. Um, It's not a one-time thing, guys. You know, these, these feelings come up every now and then. Um, is my experience, and I, I'm sure the older 
mature, more mature Christians in the, in the um, virtual room would attest to this as well. You know, these negative emotions are things that the enemy can try and bait us with for the rest of our lives. Um, but we get better, don't we? We get better at walking in the light. And so as we make these intentional decisions to walk in the light and to expose what, what the enemy's trying to do, the beautiful thing is that we see victory, we see peace. You know, my friend is going to be able to be so much more empowered just to um, love me because he's, he's put it on the table with me so I can, I can check in with him now and, and go, hey, how are you going? You know, how are you going with walking in the light? So that's, that's all I've got to share. Um, I'm not saying that just because my friend messaged me because he was wrestling with an issue with me doesn't mean that we always have to do that, but that was an action that he felt was, was relevant and appropriate. Um, we always need to you know, pray about what God would have us do when we're feeling these things. Sometimes it's not appropriate, I don't believe, to, to speak to the person directly about it. Um, but there is other things that we can do that are still um, intentional and bold. So I'm just going to pray. And then, yeah, I just encourage you to, to really um, dig deep as we discuss um, the passage. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for um, all the peace, light, strength, wisdom that is ours not because we've done anything to earn that, but because, Jesus, you did something that we couldn't do and that was sacrifice your perfect life that we might live, that we might have life, that we might be able to walk in the light and not be overcome by the darkness. Lord, we thank you for that assurance that John writes in the gospel that the light has overcome darkness and the darkness cannot fathom it. We thank you so much that in the spiritual realm we have victory because we are tied to you, Jesus. And we thank you so much that we do not have to fear the wrestle um, as we overcome. We thank you that you are with us, you are guiding us. And I just pray that as we spend time discussing these things now, that you would really just bring to mind the things that we need to know, the things that we need to do, Lord, so that we can continue to walk in the light and be an example that the world longs after. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.